Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to this special Emmy-themed edition of the TV Line podcast. I'm executive editor Kimberly Roots. All this month, we're sitting down with a handful of our dream Emmy contenders, actors and producers we believe deserve to be recognized at this year's Emmy Awards. Included in that list is my current guest, Sterling K. Brown, whose gripping, moving work in This Is Us breakout first season should, we believe, land him a Best Actor nomination. Sterling, welcome. Thank you very much, Kim. Uh, so, I'm wondering, you've had kind of a crazy last couple years. Sure. Um, you've had a long career mm -hmm. before that yeah. already. So take me back in your career to a time when you were like, this is not happening. I'm working, but I'm barely working. I'm... Was there a, a, a commercial, a show, something that you did that you were just like, I don't know? That's really interesting. Okay, so I went to grad school for acting, graduated in 2001. And I can remember going out on commercials. And commercials were like big cattle calls and there'd been a lot of people and you didn't have much to do. And I remember thinking at an early time in my career, I need lines to show people like what I can do. Because just showing up and looking a certain way, I didn't feel as if I understood what it was. And I never booked a commercial. And I remember I would sit at commercial auditions for sometimes an hour and a half. Things would be backed up, running away. And I was like, I don't, I like commercials. I, I would love to have the paycheck associated with them. <laughs> but I don't like waiting. And I remember I just left one commercial. I can't remember what it was specifically. And said, I'm not going to audition for them anymore. So I've never done one. I only probably auditioned about 15, 20 times right out of school, and then I stopped. And I've also had the good fortune mm -hmm. of whether it was theater or, or film or television show, I think the longest period of time, and this is a blessing, that I've gone without working has been about four months. Wow. So even when things weren't popping the way that they've been popping off since OJ and This Is Us, mm -hmm. I've been able to work fairly steadily. You know, uh, Army Wives was six and a half years. I got a chance to pay off student loans <laughs> and buy a home mm -hmm. and, you know, begin a family with my wife, you know. So I think I've been really blessed. It's been under the radar, but it hasn't been like a struggle. Mm -hmm. And it's been successful in the way in which I define it is that I've been a working actor. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really all I ever hoped to be was do work that made me feel good about myself that sort of like lifted me up artistically and to be able to pay the bills. <laughs> so it's been a really successful career. And the last couple of years have been something that I never anticipated. Yeah. I, I didn't have, I always thought that I would just be working in obscurity, you know, in perpetuity. Like you, like you the guy from that guest, show, guest spot on whatever. <laughs> you know, great job on Person of Interest, or I loved you on Supernatural. Like, the random things that I'll pop up on from time to time. Mm -hmm. But to have landed in two shows in a row that have been critically appreciated and embraced by the public, you can't ask for more. Yeah, I mean, lightning has literally, literally struck twice for you. Literally. Literally. Yeah. Um, now people are recognizing you on the street, correct? Like They do. I know you've said people come to you and talk about how much 
the show has changed their lives sure. or how much it meant to them. How do you how do you handle that when someone comes up to you and basically wants to give you like the inside of their heart? You say thank you. You just listen. You know, like it's such a it's a surreal moment for them because they're not expecting you to just walk by at that time. I mean, so surreal sometimes that if you're not in New York or L.A. but somewhere else, many times people have said, has anybody ever told you you look exactly like Sterling <laughs> K. Brown? And I'll be like, I get that all the time. <laughs> keep on going. But you, you, you accept and, and receive it, you know. And it, it's sometimes what I'm learning about this whole process is that when people meet you for the first time, they're not necessarily aware what's going on in your life. Mm -hmm. Their enthusiasm is just so pure and unbounded that they just want to express themselves. So you have to give them the space to do that. Uh, and if I'm not with my family, usually I just let them talk and I, I say thank you and take a picture, give a hug, one of those two things, and just move along. It's great. Yeah. It's great. Is there anyone like that for you. Let me let me clarify. Sure. Not someone that you you know you're a little starstruck by or that whose work you've admired, but whose work has like hit you. Ah, <sighs> I mean the work that I'm starstruck by also hits. <laughs> you understand because I'm yeah. an artist, and so like the level of artistry that people can bring to something will move me beyond words. But I will say this: just recently, just two days ago, mm -hmm. I was watching Masters Masters of None. And he has an episode. Episode 8 is called Thanksgiving. And that got me. Really? Oh, oh my God. Like, I, I tweeted him for the first time in my life. I was like, dude, that was something special. Like, truly special. Wow. Like, to the point where when you finish with this interview, start watching this <laughs> if you haven't already. And when you get to episode 8, give me a call. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. It's amazing. Um, I'm thinking... A lot, but I also recap the shows, so I have shed many a tear, like everyone <laughs> and their mom. Um, but especially the Memphis episode yeah. that I know you've talked about a lot before. But, but are there are there moments from that storyline? Are there moments from that hour in particular that you have, that pop into your head every once in a while that stick with you the way that they stick with the people who've seen it? Sure. Well, shooting it sticks with me in particular because I went straight from shooting episode 15, the last scene of episode 15 with Justin and I, mm -hmm. to shooting the last scene between Ron and I in episode 16. So I went from, like, having an anxiety attack to, like, literally the next day mourning my father, like, losing my father, right. you know, holding his face. And I was like, what are you guys trying to do? <laughs> Who scheduled this, right? Um, but I was also thankful to have gotten over... The, the most emotional part first because then the rest of the episode is such a loving, beautiful journey of, of knowledge for Randall to meet his family, to learn more about his father and his father sharing his world with him in such a beautiful way. Like, it was great. And Ron and I both, we were like, man, we don't want to shoot this part, the part where we have to say goodbye, where we have to lose one another. Mm -hmm. But we're thankfully, we got it over. And then we just got a chance to enjoy the whole bonding of the rest of it. Yeah. So, yeah, that saying goodbye to Ron, uh, Randall saying goodbye to William, Sterling saying goodbye to Ron, it was, ugh. And we would shoot it. John and Glenn directed that episode, John Reckler and Glenn Ficar. Mm -hmm. And we did multiple takes. And there were a couple times where both Ron and I were like, Ron would be crying. He was like, I don't know if I can do this again. <laughs> 
And, and I would be right there with her. I was like, guys, please give me a ticket. And they're like, we got it. We got it. Moving on. How do you feel after a day like that? I mean, I imagine your body doesn't just shake off the fact that you've been very sad for a long period of time. Yeah, I mean... Or does it? It shakes it off pretty quickly. I, I find that um, whether you're holding on to something positive or negative for too long is detrimental because it keeps me from the present moment. Mm. And I do my very best to be in the moment, right? So once that moment's gone, you know, Ron and I hug it out, and then I go home, and then I see my two boys and my wife, and I was like, they don't need nobody sad right now, <laughs> you know? So it's like, let's go back to being a dad. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, has being a dad affected how you react to scenes like that, that you have to shoot? These very family-heavy um, relationship, you know, father-son, sure. children relationships. Um, or is it just kind of part of what you do? I would say that dad relationships in general for me are, are particularly... Um, sensitive because I lost my dad when I was 10 years old Um, and I what I did learn and I don't think this is so much in Randall and William but the way in which Randall is with um, his two little girls like I don't think the kids can ever love you the way that the parents love them like and I I would remember times when my mom would just look at me when I was a little boy and like what are you why are you staring at me she's like I just love you. Mm-hmm. And I catch myself just staring at these two little boys. And I just say, like, Daddy loves you so much. And then I, I know Dad. <laughs> my five-year-old. My, 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 19, my 20-month-old can't speak, but my five-year-old would be like, I know Dad. <laughs> That's what I learned from being a parent. Um, talk to me about, well, you guys got this amazing two-season yeah. pickup. Like, good yeah. God, that doesn't happen in broadcast. No, it doesn't. Um, and we've seen the video of you, of you all getting surprised by the news. Sure. Um, is that at all, not to bring it down, but is that at all daunting that you have this responsibility to be part of this thing that is really hot right now? You know what? I, I, I can see how it could be. I see it as a vote of confidence. Like, I feel like so many shows have to look over their shoulders wondering if they're going to get to episode 13, wondering if they're going to get a back nine, wonder if they're going to get a second season, third season, etc. And we have the assurance of knowing that, no, we got you. You're with us. We're with you. We're together. We trust you. Mm-hmm. Go out and make the product that, that got you to this place in the first place. So I feel free in a, in a certain way to just like keep on telling the story of this family that resounds so universally with people just trying to navigate life. Yeah. You know, I feel now, right now, 2017, it, we're so divided. Like, we're so divided. And people have stopped talking to each other. There's a lot of arguing, right? And there's a lot of defending of one's particular point of view. That to be a part of a show that sort of pushes that all to the side mm-hmm. once a week, for 42 and a half minutes, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And people can just say, like, oh, we can come together on this. That that feels good. So if we could keep getting to do that, I mean, the pressure is just to keep delivering that product that allows people to sort of, like, say, it's not us versus them. This is us. Yeah. Like, we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to be all right. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're going to be all right. Our writers are so good. If I thought that Dan Fogelman was going to have, like, 
some sort of a breakdown or, <laughs> you know, if he, like, lost the ability to write, then we would have a problem. But as long as Fogelman's good, we're going to be all right. <laughs> I am looking forward to see what Randall... Because Randall is at a big crossroads in his mm-hmm. life, finishing up season one, um, no longer at the job that he really strongly identified with. Very much so. Um, no longer with this relationship that meant a lot to him in his yeah. life. And then... Um, when I spoke with some of your co-stars, they said maybe Randall and Beth are, you know, there's the whole idea of possibly adopting a child Correct. and whether they're both at the same amount of excitement about that. Yeah. Um, what, and also, grief is rarely a linear thing. Yeah, rarely. Um, what, what can you tell me about what you know in terms of your character's arc this season? Is there stuff that's exciting? Is there anything you can tease that you're looking forward to? Let's see, about Randall in particular, I know there's a couple of pitches that I've made and I think that will be received with open arms. Oh, awesome. Um, one has to do with the backstory of how Randall and Beth came together. Um, like, what made this young black boy raised by this white family choose this wonderful black woman mm-hmm. to be his partner in life? I think that's intri- that intrigues me, and I have an idea about that, so I think we'll explore that. And hopefully we'll get a chance to see a bit more with Randall and Kate. I feel like the Randall-Kevin relationship is pretty strong. The Kate-Kevin relationship is pretty strong. I would like to see how Randall and his sister, you know, are in the world with each other and in the past. Yeah. Yeah. It's not all, I mean, it's not all the time on shows that actors can pitch storylines that are received, whether or not they actually right. happen. Sure. But that are even entertained. Right. Um, talk to me a little bit about that process on This Is Us. Sure. Was that something that you came in being able to do? Was it something that's come about after being there for a while? I think something that we were able to come in being able to do but Dan had a pretty strong blueprint for how season one was going to go and then we would go, each go into the writer's room either individually or together and if we'd hear them talking about something we'd throw in two cents and the two cents would make it in right I think right now we're up to like a quarter <laughs> you know and, and where it's encouraged mm-hmm. like they want to know like what the stories are that interest us um, that they want to see told on screen so it's it's a wonderful collaborative sort of thing and not necessarily doesn't mean that everything's going to be in there right. but the fact that we are heard is such a blessing because you're right a lot of times you're just uh, a pawn being moved on the, on the chessboard mm-hmm. and that's not the case with that show is there anything you've pitched that they were like thank you but we're not gonna uh, well there's something that I pitched that will probably make it into season two that I pitched in season one but the timing wasn't right yet okay. so there's like we'll get to that in season two I was like understood <laughs> understood <laughs> That's amazing. Um, you guys are starting filming again in yeah, July. Correct. Uh, very cool. And you have, I mean, this is this is you've got a new movie that was announced today. Oh yeah. Yeah, and we have Black Panther coming. I mean, this yes. is how. What does your day to day life look like for the next six months? Uh, it's pretty hectic. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's pretty hectic. I go back to Vancouver. I finish up work on Predator. I go straight from that to rehearsal for Hotel Artemis, and then shooting Hotel Artemis. I get to work with Jodie Foster, I know. which is I'm, my mind is still sort of wrapping itself around that that's going to happen. And then we go straight into shooting uh, season two of This Is Us, and then there'll be publicity to do for Marshall, and then there'll be publicity to do for other things as they come up down the road. So you just take it one day at a time. I let my publicist and my manager keep like the big picture in their head but mm-hmm. I can really only digest about two or three days at a time 
That's about it. My goodness. Are you going to have to, uh, forgive me if this is a, no. a very basic question for sure. actors, because I think one of the things that non-actors always are like, how do you keep it all in your head? Like, are you going to have competing projects in your head, scripts for them at the same time? Do you ha- Are you ever in that position where you're having to kind of compartmentalize where you are and what you're doing? Um, I'm finding myself in that position quite a bit. And what I find is actually, though, when I'm working on one script, if I need to take a break, the other script is actually a break from that one thing. Oh, interesting. So it's not that I have to take a break from it all together, but, like, my mind may not just need a break from this character, so now I can get a chance to focus on that one. That's cool. Yeah. Do you think your process has changed at all from when you were starting out to now? I'm sure it has. I, I'm, it changes from job to job. I feel like each character sort of tells you after you finish that initial read of the script and you sort of go through what do I have in common with this person where are our differences and then focusing on how to make those differences organically a part of yourself that's where the work is and so with each character there's something different that you have to work on Christopher Darden and Randall Pearson are two completely different people and they ask different things of me and so that's pretty consistent from each character. I think more than anything is learning how to meld all of that in with being a dad Mm. and a husband and making sure that everybody is getting the attention that they need. Like you can't just disappear. I used to just disappear and go away. And now when I try that, my wife is like, "Uh, no, bro. (laughs) (laughs) You need to come back and take care of these kids. And like, yeah, 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 I got you. (laughs) I got you. I was going to say, if you do figure that out, could you please put out a how-to manual yeah, for the right. rest of us? I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. <laughs> um, you talked about the things that the different characters require of you. Yeah. Um, specifically, Darden and Randall. Sure. What, what was one thing each of them really challenged you on? That's interesting. I think for Darden in particular, I had to give up um, strong judgment that I had before stepping into the character. Because... With the majority of black America in 1994-95, I was strongly on the side of the defense. Right. And, and Darden was vilified by the black community, seen as an Uncle Tom and a sellout. And I had those things residing within me as well. And so reading Tubin's book, uh, reading Darden's book, and recognizing what a precarious situation this character was in, this man was in, to be the black face and voice of the prosecution right. of a black hero that was really tough and that he stuck it out and that the evidence led him to believe that O.J. was guilty of a double homicide. Like recognizing that this was a man of conviction and having a level of understanding because you can't play somebody and judge them at the same time. Mm -hmm. So that was probably the biggest one for Darden. A lot of vocal stuff too as well. You know, we speak a little bit differently, but the judgment. Mm -hmm. And then as far as Randall is concerned, I think we're, I'm more similar to Randall than I am to, to Darden. He is a heightened and explored, better version of Sterling K. Brown. <laughs> like, a, infinitely better. Like, when people come up to me and they say, like, ah, you're such a good guy, it comes across or whatnot, I'm like, I'm all right. <laughs> like, I'm an all right. Like, I'm an all right human being, you know? <laughs> but for the grace of God, go I. Like, I'm all right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, in particular, for Randall, and this is something that I had to learn a while ago. I used to have a pursuit of perfection. And it would alienate me from people. And people would be like, dude, you're too intense. Like, I can't deal with it. Like, people would play games with me, and I would win. And I'd win in, like, a way, like, you want to go again? And they'd be like, just, will you go away, please? 
And I realized it was like, oh, this is not fun for everybody the way that it is for me. So I had to relax that and recognize that like sometimes every interaction doesn't call for me to be perfect. Sometimes it just calls for me to be present. And I feel like that's a lesson that Randall hopefully um, is learning more and more as life goes on because he can be very hard on himself. And I can remember those times in my life when I was hard on myself. And I'm thankful that I feel as if that relaxed naturally over time mm -hmm. and that you have to be just as gracious with yourself as you are with others. Um, and hopefully that's a lesson that Randall will continue to learn throughout the course of the show. Randall, now that I'm thinking about it, Randall does have a bit of, he's a little bit of comedic levity for this show, which sounds almost crazy no, sure. when you think about the storyline that, yeah. that you've had. But um, he's a dork. Uh, yeah. Very often. Very often. <laughs> <laughs> and he even has that line in Memphis where he's like, you know, I, I was raised by white people. Sure. Like, forgive me. Um, I know that season two, um, the producers have said, we'll lean a little bit more into the com comedic side of the show. Okay. Um, do you know if Randall has any, like, like light episodes, like where you know, he explores pottery or something like that? You I know? hope so. <laughs> like, I haven't heard anything mm -hmm. about this in particular. And Dan just got finished wrapping a movie that he directed mm -hmm. during the hiatus. So I'm eager to pick his brain and see what direction he wants to take next. Um, but I do like how goofy Randall is. Yeah. Like, he's sort of socially awkward. Um, and the whole season, too, in particular, because he had introduced himself to William and his family to William. And I think he's n used to having, like, his I's dotted and his T's crossed. And he introduces this X factor into his life that has him constantly off kilter, mm -hmm. right? And so he's trying to figure out now, like, who he is in relation to William, to his blackness, to his family, mm -hmm. etc. Like, it was a really wonderful, ripe place to explore like identity. He's figuring out who he is. So I, I hope that's able to continue into season two in a comedic as well as sincere way. Um, but I, it's, it's fun to not be cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, well, I thank you so much for your time. It's my pleasure. Awesome to talk to you, and um, hopefully we'll get to talk again after the Emmys. I look forward to it. Awesome. Thanks so much. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.